my name's Brian Martin, and you are listening to Season 5, Episode 1 of the Running Technique Tips podcast, and I'm now joined by my co-host from her quarantine, isolation, Lisa Biffin, you're back from Japan, but but still locked down. Very much in lockdown. It's a really weird world that we find ourselves in. Um, it's... Yeah, it's bizarre. You and I have been exchanging messages over the last week um, because every day just seems to escalate that little bit more and it's a different day from the day before that we knew. Yeah, I think that's probably been the most challenging thing over the last few weeks is just the absolute rapid reframing of your reality that you've had to do on a day-to-day basis. And that doesn't appear to have any future let up in sight anytime soon. Um, I think we are going to be still reframing our realities for a little while yet. Yeah, I think that's been one of the challenges that I've certainly been facing is just that great unknown. Um, As far as my day-to-day reality, apart from being in isolation, which actually isn't that bad because we left Japan um, and our flight was in the air when they pretty much made the announcement that um, we would be going into isolation when we landed in the very early hours of that Monday morning. Uh, So we made the decision that we would come uh, to Byron because it's a a much bigger property and and there's lots of space and swimming pool and so on and so forth. Um, But the way that we work, you know, our, our, our jobs, being in IT, you, you work virtually anyway. So that perspective hasn't changed. But just that sort of, well, how long is this going to occur? But really just sitting back and watching the distress of others and their unknown um, and even, you know, friends and family losing jobs and being in uncertain times. Um, I've actually been finding that really hard. Yep. Yeah, I think that has been particularly difficult and I know that both of us are in the fortunate position where we have, well, we're still employed for one, which which is definitely not a given in the current in- environment and, yeah, we've both got the ability to be able to work remotely for the most part. So, yes, it's very much distressing watching local businesses close down, people that you know losing their jobs. Um, it's a, yeah, it's a pretty awful period that we're, we're going going through. Mm, and I think just with that, you know, great unknown, like obviously we've never faced this situation before in any of our lives or ever um, in the history of known to man. Yes, there's been other types of pandemics <laughs> and things, but because this particular instance hasn't happened, um, you know, we're obviously mm. all trying to take a really optimistic view of it saying, well, Surely it can't last longer than a few months. You know, if if it's a year's time, we're in trouble. But we actually just don't know. Um, and mm. that lack of control and, and lack of planning and then having really that um, familiarity of your day-to-day life disrupted, it's just something that we haven't faced. Uh, so it's I think it's a time to really, I think, be kind to yourself. Yes, I, I agree. And look, you've probably touched on a few things that I wanted to talk about and this is going to probably going to be a pretty freestyle kind of discussion because I know you've got a few things on your agenda and I've got my little mind map of things that um, I put together before we got on the call but yeah definitely the letting go of control element is a massive one for those of us that are control freaks which probably probably includes you and I Lisa uh, and many other people out there 
it's very distressing when you all of a sudden lost control of a whole range of things, um, not least of which control just over your freedom of movement. Um, yeah, and that's sort yeah. of been the case for you definitely over the last two weeks. But I, I got a little bit of a taste of that at the end of last week when I, yeah, I, was, I kind of had to make the decision about whether I'd go and attend a scheduled um, regular flu shot appointment. And yeah, I just, I kind of did that. But when I was out and about and it was, was very zombie apocalypse out there, um, I just had that feeling in the back of my mind that at some point I could have my movement questioned here by, by police or other authority figures. And I hadn't felt like that since I was a kid, basically. So it's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's 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 kind of distressing, but it's also you know just a reminder that we're lucky that we live in a you know a very uh, a very free and open society where we do have that that sort of inherent right, I guess, to move around. Um, and now we're all sort of faced with the challenge of we actually really have to give up that that right to move around um, freely for the for the good of all of us. And some people are finding that more difficult than others. Yeah, and I think look, one of the pluses that we have is we've got technology in our favour. So whilst we are isolated um, from that physical presence of, of people, we're still very lucky to be able to connect virtually. Um, and for someone who works in IT, I find that a really just an, a normal part of my day. But I, I found myself when I'm in these moments of, you know, woe is me and feeling a bit down thinking, well, imagine back, you know, only in the the 40s um, in World War Two, and they didn't even have technology. Like they were genuinely isolated um, with external factors, obviously, uh, in the way of their freedom. Um, so we're quite lucky in that. But it doesn't mean that it's it's still not hard and it's still not tough on everyone. Um, so I think uh, it's just a it's just a bizarre time. Uh, yeah, it, it definitely is. And yeah, I agree with you. We are lucky to be able to connect. But I, I, m I must admit, I've had a few instances during the week where even though you could see and hear someone over the screen, like if there's someone that you actually kind of care about that you'd like to be in the same place with, it, it's sort of like a, it's a, yeah, it's kind of a strange tinged experience, that one where, you know, you, it is nice to be able to see them and hear them. But um, in some ways, it makes you a little bit sad that you just can't be with them. And that's going to be challenging for a lot of people. Yeah, and let's be honest that that potentially may not change or won't change um, for the foreseeable future. And especially if people are stuck, are they, you know, interstate in Australia, they've just closed all the borders mm. of all the states. And um, JT and I were talking about that yesterday. We heard a comment uh, on, on the news about um, about borders and we were just like, that is so foreign for us. You know, here mm. in Australia, we're such big travellers internationally and even just interstate. And then to suddenly as you say, have that freedom of movement taken and you can't even go across the border and Byron Bay is very close to the border of Queensland mm. and it's sort of like suddenly that 30-minute commute is no longer allowed and there's, you know, police forces um, yep. monitoring those borders. It's just I feel like I'm in a movie. Yes, definitely. And that freedom of movement is particularly telling for people who've got friends and family who might be unwell at the moment or vulnerable and they can't travel to be with them. And that must be, yeah, super distressing. So, yeah, it's, um, we're definitely not going to whinge about um, no. <laughs> uh, running events being cancelled and other, other things in this conversation because, yeah, there's a lot more serious and important things going on. But um, we we'll definitely will talk a little bit about running, but perhaps we should 
um, just wind back the clock a little bit, Lisa, because we haven't talked for a while and just share a bit of your experience being in Japan because they were kind of a bit ahead of our COVID-19 curve. Um, what was it like over there? Yeah, so we haven't recorded for a little while. Uh, I put up a note on our socials the other day, sort of it's it's been a bizarre time, you know, travel and then this COVID-19 and lockdowns and what have you. But you know, rewind, gosh, it's nearly six weeks now. And um, I think the, one of the last recordings we did was I was no longer doing the Tokyo Marathon. That was being, um, well, that was, was cancelled. And I'll be honest, like at that point in time, I genuinely just thought, well, okay, this is going to be a one-off. I totally understand it. You know, Tokyo or J- Japan are holding the Olympics let's not jeopardise this, let's close this down, let's contain it. Japan at that point in time I think was the second or third highest um, country that had been infected by um, coronavirus. And in a way I probably was quite naive about it, thinking, you know, she'll be fine, maybe that's just a, a typical Aussie attitude. So went over to Japan and I hadn't been to Japan before and, you know, had a, had a fantastic trip, but things were sort of unfolding Really, before our eyes every day, we were constantly getting uh, notifications and emails that were, you know, we, we booked in to go uh, to tourist destinations or visit museums, and every day we'd get the email saying, I'm sorry, but now we have to close. Um, mm-hmm. And it was sort of like watching two worlds because here we were living in this reality of things being closed down. Um, but then, you know, we'd look back at home and everything was business as usual. People are out and about, um, <laughs> sporting events are happening, you know, thousands of hundreds and thousands of people are going to the football. So it was, it, it was actually just really bizarre to comprehend or sort of think, how serious is this? Um, and I feel like in a way here in Australia and maybe in other parts in the world, we are a bit behind in that because it hadn't hit our reality. Um but Japan, I suppose, as a, as a country and, and culturally, they're very clean um, and very orderly. So there wasn't a perceived amount of panic. Um, you know, hand sanitizers everywhere. Everybody was wearing a face mask. Um, we didn't actually wear one. Uh, we, we sort of looked like the odd one out. It appeared, without having been to Japan, that most things were business as usual, apart from a lot of tourist attractions being shut down. But definitely restaurants and cafes um, were a lot quieter. So it was um, – and we actually went skiing for two weeks of that. And to be honest, the ski fields were hit really, really heavily. Um, that was probably the first time that the reality of all of this started to sink in because um, – JT had been skiing, we went to Nisiko, he'd been there before and he said it was just like this pumping little village uh, and we would often be the only people in restaurants. Um, and I cannot ski. I am very much a novice uh, and there were more like there were more times than not that I was um, skiing or actually went and snowboarded instead down the mountain and I was the only person um, on the mountain at that time. So for anyone that has been skiing or to a snowfield anywhere that that just doesn't happen 
Sounds like the kind of place that I would need to ski at to prevent me from running into everyone else. <laughs> so from a completely selfish perspective, I am a giant snow hazard, okay? <laughs> I'm really not very good. You know, I can I can get my way down, but it's certainly not fabulous. Um, so that was great and, you know, we were able to get uh, private lessons for the, for the cost of um, – group lessons but you know there's that element in there and actually there's there's a human element in that in talking to the instructors and a lot of the instructors are um, younger individuals who that is their job and that is their livelihood and they follow around the winters teaching how to ski and snowboard and they were saying look you know we're we're having to go home you know we're normally booked back to back and now we're struggling to even get one lesson a week and we can't cover our rent let alone you know food and other basic amenities so um that that was actually really really tough Mm. um and we sort of made a bit of a point to continue booking lessons even though we really didn't need to in the end but yeah it's that that was our first wake up to oh this is maybe this is something bigger so did they have the kind of restrictions that we have now in australia about physical distancing like trying to keep two meters between you and other people in restaurants and that type of thing or was it not quite at that level no it hadn't escalated to that point and that's sort of the other part which has really been really bizarre in our reality is that's started to happen pretty much over the last seven days for us here in australia Mm. so that hadn't quite happened um in japan i'm i'm kept abreast of whether that's happened now um but it certainly hadn't happened and and we traveled a little bit by public transport um and it was certainly full you know i've seen photos and even you sent me a picture of one of the train carriages and you were spotting no friends on the train so yes (laughs) that that certainly wasn't the case but um on uh i will just touch on one running thing i did do a little bit of running whilst i was over there um Mm -hmm. Not a lot, but uh, got out and ran sort of the few days when we hit Tokyo leading into the actual day of the Tokyo Marathon. And I just want to say I can't believe how amazing I felt coming from, you know, 35 to 40 degree weather, ridiculous humidity. We got there and it was sort of 10 degrees and I was sending you through the data of my runs and I was going for easy jogs and they were all sub five minute k pace you know getting down to 440s with a heart rate of like 135 it was Mm. it was amazing and i tell you what it just i know that i didn't get to do the marathon but um, boy i had a big smile on my face thinking i'm prepared to go through all that again um to see what the eventual result may be yeah that's true and maybe that's a good punctuation point on our Brian and Lisa coaching experiment (laughs) (laughs) season, which probably didn't turn out the way either of us really wanted it to, given this and a few other things. But um, yeah, I think that the the way you were feeling as you arrived is probably a, a good benchmark that the kind of training that we did was pretty successful and probably would have given you a good shot of, of running a time close to three hours if, if the race had gone ahead. Yeah, look, I was wrapped. I was literally gliding a, a, across the ground and um, one bittersweet moment was the actual day of the race, so the Sunday the 1st of March, was the most perfect day so you know great great for the elites that did get a chance to run um it i think it was maybe 10 degrees there was not a breath of wind no rain it was just a phenomenal day and and we went out for a run that day and i did my longest run i did 25 k's again i was running well under five minute k's heart rate i don't even think went above um 150 
Mm. And I did – so it was oh, just uh, just over two hours um, and I remember saying to you afterwards that I think we got it right because my knee didn't hurt, my hip didn't hurt um, and I could have actually continued even that day on to you know, run, run the 42Ks but um, – but I didn't. So it left me. Look, it left me with a lot of confidence. I was really pleased with the training that we had put together. Um, and then when we move out of this strange reality that we're in now, um, I definitely would like to try all that again. Yes, and look, I think one of the things I was going to talk about when we get to talk about training during this period, which I'm not sure we're at that point in this conversation yet, but was <laughs> was just. Like that, the way that we were training is a pretty good way to train for the current reality, um, at least at least in Australia, where you very much want to think about being fle- completely flexible with yep. your training um, yep. and also being very mindful of the level of intensity. And look, I've, a few of the, the smart people and coaches that um, I have noticed posting things on social media and admittedly I haven't spent much time on social media <laughs> for, for good place. reasons. Yeah, <laughs> it is a scary moment. place. Um, <laughs> but, the yeah, the, the kind of smarter people are sort of pointing out the fact that, well, this is really a time to dial it back a bit. And, yeah, maybe and, and maybe from my perspective it's a chance for a lot of people to push a bit of a reset button um, in terms of the way they train, um, the kinds of intensities they train at and also from a broader perspective, even just to kind of reframe perhaps their relationship with running and perhaps exercise more broadly in, in the context of the current environment. Yeah, I think I don't know if you've really... been having those thoughts. Well, you know, um, I did that run on the Sunday, felt amazing. Then we went to the snow and I, I skied for the first two days and I actually just can't ski it um, not from an ability perspective, but it just my hips. My hips absolutely can't cope with the skiing. So then I moved to snowboarding. Um, so do that for two weeks and then come back and try and run. And <laughs> my knee was ruined. <laughs> so um, I, I haven't really done much. And obviously being in isolation, uh, I've actually been focusing a lot on um, sort of some stretching just some I've been doing some really random things actually which I have been enjoying um so I've got some challenges going with friends and we sort of set each other random challenges so you know it's a 100 sit-ups 100 push-ups and 100 squats each day um just just random little things that are not specific to running at all but from a personal perspective I had really set this year um, as a year to just forget about performances or times and, and get out and be involved and race, which is quite mm. ironic given everything's been cancelled or postponed and we're not allowed near anybody. <laughs> um, so from a personal perspective, I don't feel like anything's been taken away from me um, and I'm, I had come to this realisation quite a long time ago that I actually enjoy training and I don't particularly like racing. <laughs> so um, I'm actually okay to just when I'm allowed to go out and jog and, and do it from an absolute enjoyment perspective. But you just hit the nail on the head where some people in this current climate probably need to revisit that relationship of why they run because you know it, it can be become quite addictive and obsessive for all the wrong reasons um and this could be a really good time to recalibrate that and find a like a genuine intrinsic passion um for the sport yep i agree and yeah the world has changed and a lot of people are 
grieving for what they've lost, which is completely fair enough because yeah, there's a, there's a lot of things that are happening that are bad and a lot of changes in life that we have to give up, but definitely a chance to kind of reset that relationship with, with your running mm. right now. And look, for me as well, look, it's, it's kind of been a bit business as usual for my, for my training because <laughs> I do m- most of my running by myself anyway. And I've been following this kind of flexible pattern for some time now. So I've just continued on. And in fact, I think I was just texting you this morning. What's happened to me this week is I've actually done more running than I have um, at any time, probably for the last year. So I nearly hit 50 k's for this week, which was which has been a bit unheard of because I've sort of been hovering in the in the 30 k mark, or maybe up to 40 in some cases um, for the probably for the last six months. So for me, with a little bit more time on my hands, I get three hours back each day because I'm not commuting into Melbourne. Um, that means that I can probably do a little bit more running, but I've got to make some other adjustments as well because now the gym is closed. So my twice a week strength training is going to have to be reframed into something that I can do either with body weight or with the various little bits and pieces of equipment that I do have. So um, yeah, we're all going to make some some little adjustments through this challenging period. Yeah, it's actually it's one thing that I have really enjoyed um, and I keep saying that I think I was built for isolation is that not having to commute or go anywhere. Like I, I think we've coined that I'm an ambivert. I'm you know, definitely very extroverted um, but can easily turn to being an introvert and the introverted side of me just loves waking up in the morning, rolling over, taking three steps, and there I am at my computer ready to work. (laughs) (laughs) I think one thing we have resolved over the last few days is given that we're both on the ambivert spectrum, I think we've definitely worked out that you're more on the introverted side of that spectrum than I am because I must admit I'm struggling with the concept of uh, staying at home for this extended period a little bit more than you, I think, at the moment. Yeah, well, I think also, though, I, I do have the added benefit is I've got you know, my, my two kids here, I've got my husband here, we're in a beautiful house and it's got all these beautiful amenities. So um, I'm, I'm so incredibly privileged and very lucky and I feel like I'm I'm getting that injection of um, sort of social interaction uh, because, you know, kids are kids, they're, they're sort of just anything goes with them. So they're thinking it's this wild, great big holiday. They just get to run around and go crazy the whole time. Um, but I completely understand if you're potentially in an apartment where you're on your own, quite isolated, that, that would be challenging. Yeah, definitely. And look, maybe, maybe that's something to talk about in terms of training at the moment for people who are getting a little bit of cabin fever. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, getting out for your sort of lower intensity um, easy running sessions where you're by yourself, like that might be the only chance where you get to be by yourself if you're in a more crowded environment or you're living in a small place and maybe there's just the two of you or maybe maybe you're, you're there with your family and there's just constant noise and interaction. So like scheduling that little bit of running and trying to keep that routine up is definitely a good way to find some quiet space where you can just be alone in your own thoughts. And I would definitely encourage people who are habitual headphone wearers to leave those at home and just, just enjoy the fact that there's no other stimulation other than just your own thoughts um, and your interaction with the environment that you're running through. So, you know, let's put Coach Hut on for you for a minute, Brian, and let's talk mm-hmm. about training. So we're now in this environment where for the foreseeable future, there is nothing on our horizon. And I'm fully aware that many events have been postponed and they've been given dates from sort of September through to November, but that's still six months away. What do you what do you recommend that your athletes do? 
Well, I think if you were one of those people who was prepping themselves for an event that has now been cancelled and you'd been hammering your training, maybe taking a few risks, carrying various niggles, probably, you know, just kind of getting yourself to the finish line. I think if you're in that sort of position or even if you got to the got to the event and you were fighting fit and there was nothing wrong with you and you were ready to run the race of your life, it might actually be a good time just to have a, have a week or two off mm-hmm. and just, um, just really hit the reset button and don't do any any running or serious structured exercise for a little period of time. Like that would that would be in the the Phil Maffetone um, school of thought. Is from time to time you do need to have like a complete break. And just because the race got cancelled, like usually you would probably schedule a break after that anyway. But maybe a lot of people are now thinking, oh, I need to keep running through this to <laughs> to keep my sanity, which <laughs> which may may be a good reason, but still consider. Having, having a break of some sort or at the very least dialing it back. Um, my brother was setting himself for the half Ironman at Shepparton and mm. that was scheduled for the same weekend as the Canberra Marathon and, that, of course, that was cancelled as well. So he has just basically decided he's having a couple of weeks off because he was like in peak physical condition and, yeah, good time to actually hit the hit the reset button. So that would be my thought. first thought I would put out there um, is to consider having a break if you've been on a long period of um, training building up to an event that didn't happen or you're carrying some kind of niggles or injury or otherwise not feeling that well because, you know, we're going to try and look after our physical health as much as our mental health in this sort of period. So, yeah, not continuing to flog yourself um, is probably probably the first, first tip that I would definitely give. If you were that person who had gotten to that point where they were peaking for a competition would you recommend to them to say do a time trial to get you know all of that out of their system so that then they could go and reset? I don't, I don't know if I'd recommend that. Like I think if individually you thought that you needed to have some sort of blowout just to give yourself the excuse to have a rest, then yeah, maybe you could do that. But especially if you're setting yourself for a longer event like a half marathon or a marathon, it's going to be pretty hard to get yourself up to go and time trial that at anywhere near the intensity that you would if you were in a race scenario with all those other people around you. Um, maybe, maybe if you're the kind of person who's training for the, the 1,500 metres up to the 5K or something like that, then then maybe a time trial might be a, a, an option in that case for you just to kind of test where you're at. I, yeah, I had kind of given that some thought and look at that would have been an option before all the athletics tracks got shut down for those um, shorter distances. But now that that's happened, like, you know, kind of what's the point? Because you'll do a time trial. You won't really be sure how far it was. Yeah, I'm not sure how much you can read into that or, yeah. or otherwise. I think maybe, the, maybe. the tough thing with that too is now with all these social distancing rules, which are completely valid, um, and, you know, we've certainly seen a lot of photographs going around, and this is all over the world. This is not just an Australian problem of runners um, specifically disobeying Mm. those rules and for whatever reason thinking that they don't apply to their group runs or their group training sessions, which just totally blows my mind. Um, Me me too, because let's just talk about how dirty runners are for a second. Yeah, you even think yourself, you know, if if you're working hard and you've got all Mm -hmm. sorts of – Things coming out of your <laughs> your nose yep. and your mouth, and God knows what else yep. it's secreting from your body. Um, just yep. because you are healthy and fit, 
doesn't mean you're immune to this um, disease. And I think that's one of the clear messages that is coming mm. through, that initially it was really heralded as something that really only affects the elderly. Um, mm. But I was only reading this morning that um, there's been the first infant that has been confirmed to have passed away overseas. So mm. um, it, you're not immune um, if you're a young, fit, healthy athlete. And, and in many instances, as you were saying before, if you're really just really pushing that red line all the time Mm -hmm. um your immunity is actually down so let's let's be a little smarter here um either go with one person or as you say just take the time to recalibrate and get in touch with yourself do some actual healing for your own well-being and yeah if you are continuing to train in a group and and or flogging yourself completely you're definitely a person like if you you might not get seriously ill because you're young and fit um but you might give it to someone else yeah and Um, i think that's 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 the thing and i think with that is we've got to remember that a lot of our athletics community is elderly um you know i I heard some grumblings and some whinging when some of the athletics events got cancelled here in australia but you know to all those people that did complain about you know losing a twenty dollar or forty dollar entry fee or what have you Think of the officials who volunteer their time. Mm. Most of them are older than 60. Most of them are there all day, probably getting up at 5 a.m. or earlier and are still there till gosh knows what time in the afternoon and they're there for an entire weekend, not for the two hours that little Johnny's had to run his 800. Um, it's, yes. it's so much bigger than that. And, you know, I'm very close to at the moment being on the board of Athletics New South Wales and, you know, we've got some massive decisions to make at the moment that are honestly well bigger and well beyond the local fun run or the local race that happens every year. Um, so yes. I think just a little bit of empathy and yes. a little bit of reflection that lives are more important than little Johnny's under 14, you know, 800. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. And look, you know, probably um, not everyone has been in a position where they're kind of responsible for the welfare of a lot of other people like you are at the moment. And when you are a board member or you're a manager of a team or something like that, you you do have this special duty of care for the welfare of others. So that has to be the first thing that you're thinking about when you're making decisions about, in this case, whether athletic events go ahead or not. I'm sure that's at, that, that's at the forefront of your thinking as a board member. Oh, look, 100%. And even just from an economical perspective that um, a lot of associations and not just athletics, so, you know, I'm talking all sorts of associations, you know, the AFL, Australian Football League in Australia is a huge enterprise. Um, but if there's no sports happening, there's no organisation. Um, and with no organisation goes no jobs, um, you know, no social outlet for a lot of people. And so it's this really big economic cycle uh, that leaves certain people having to make really hard decisions um, for other people that then impacts their life. So um, it's it really is a much bigger issue than you not being able to go on your Sunday run with your mates. Um, and that's, yep. <laughs> I cannot stress that highly enough. Um, and I don't know how to get that through to people any clearer than that. Yes, well, I, I think 
All of us in Australia probably need to look to the UK at the moment because the next little reshaping of our reality is probably going to look more like that where you may only be permitted to get out of the house once per day by yourself. So perhaps it's a good time to start practicing that to, to reframe your reality um, to what might may be coming within the next week or so. Um, I, I think there's no reason to think that we won't end up in that place. So definitely... Uh, yeah, just kind of putting yourself in that in that zone and thinking ahead might just make it a little bit easier when that new another new reality arrives for us um, in in the coming period. Mm, yeah, I mean, look, there's a lot of people that are obviously doing the right thing. I know that my athletics club, uh, sort of a week and a half ago, we put out a message to say that all group training is now ceasing. Um, and, you know, every time that some new government guidelines come out, we, we send that out to our members. And I know that... Um, that that, that everybody is abiding by that. So uh, there's certainly a lot of good in the running community, more than there is not, but for those that are not, pull your head in. Yep. Um, and why don't we just come back to, to that hygiene thing for a second? <laughs> <laughs> not becoming a, a germaphobe in this current environment, but this is, it sort of gets right back to the um, this is a time for, you know, A, not running in big groups, but B, for backing off the intensity. So... Staying out of the red zone, like, you know, the the parallel for getting your heart rate down and being able to be in control of skillful kind of activity, like you see it in AFL football when people take a mark and they really steady themselves and take as much time as they possibly can to get their heart rate down so they can control the skill. So that applies as well with running. Like if you're absolutely redlining, you're not going to be controlling where your sweat is going, where your spit is going, all of the other disgusting things that runners do. Um, so just back it off because if you're out there doing a session in an environment where you're running past other people, um, on a regular basis, and this is going to be more the case for people who are in the larger metropolitan centres, you're putting other people at risk doing that. So, you know, just if you back it off 10 beats a minute, probably going to be much more in control of what you're doing and less likely to, um, yeah, accidentally infect someone else. And look, you know, I'm sure we've all been in races and group environments where someone's accidentally spat on you. So, yes. um, <laughs> yeah, it's not a very pleasant experience and definitely something to be avoided um, right now. Yeah, I actually read a quite a good article um, by a, I'm pretty sure it was a doctor actually, and, and what their comments were was that often we don't actually know what our underlying medical conditions are until we're faced with something that mm. may compromise our health. And to me, that was something that really hit home because it's like even just the normal winter cold and flu season where sometimes you may get the cold or the flu and sometimes you may not and you're not sure what it is or why it is. Are you doing something different? Is there something internally that has changed for you? Um, and unless you're testing for every single thing at every single point in time in your life, you don't actually know. So whilst you may currently be a healthy um, person, mm -hmm. this particular um, strain of disease may have something that simply just doesn't correlate well with your chemistry or yep. internal DNA and and you're someone that's infected so um, yeah it's it's like yeah, yeah it's like a lot of lot of things you may not see the precipice until you've actually driven over the cliff and you see it in the rearview mirror and then it's too late so you need to be really careful yeah yeah no exactly so um yeah I think that's it run on your own and you can also practice other things that you probably wouldn't normally do like drills you only need what 10 yeah. meters of a, a piece of 
you know, it can even do them in your in your um, in your lounge room. It's actually quite ironic again that we were laughing about the gentleman in China who did the fifty k's or whatever mm-hmm. it was in his lounge room. Well, he's kind of got the last laugh now, doesn't he? <laughs> he does, and yeah, I, I agree with you. And that's definitely, I think, actually, in the next episode, I might just walk through like what sort of stuff you could do at home, body weight, strength training wise. But definitely, I count drills as being strength training and coordination training. So doing those down your hallway, if you have one, um, that's definitely a perfect thing you can do inside if you have to self-isolate or in the future if we're a bit more confined (laughs) than what we currently are. Um, And that's something that I definitely did the other day is uh, I've just got, I think I've got one light, fairly light, but I think it's an eight kilo kettlebell and I was just doing some walking lunges down the hallway um, and that's quite an effective exercise. So I reckon that's a good point. You can definitely start to integrate that kind of stuff if you're confined <laughs> within this new new level of captivity that we're facing. Yeah, you say eight kilos is light. I think that's what I peaked at before I went over to the gym. <laughs> Um, but on the drills, especially distance runners, they are traditionally not particularly flexible or coordinated. Mm. So, mm-hmm. uh, like sprinters and jumpers and technical um, athletes yeah. uh, are not in this basket because they're actually usually very, very good and talented at that. But distance runners are usually terrible. I just see it in the in my own group. Um, one of our coaches is very strong on drills and. It's actually quite humorous to watch some of the boys, especially trying to do some of the drills who, you know, for them, stretching is their fingertips touching their thighs. <laughs> uh-huh. um, well, I have to, I have to empathize with that because, as you know, I'm one of the most least, least flexible people going around. But I, I definitely concur with you on the, uh, on the coordination training. So, um, practicing practicing your skills practicing movements that have some sort of carryover into running that's that's definitely a thing that has some benefit yeah and now you like yourself you're not traveling two or three hours every day go and do drills Mm. for 10 minutes and you know see just how much that actually improves you when we come out of this bizarre time in our life um you might actually get 10 seconds worth of improvement doing that rather than going and flogging yourself every other Sunday. So I agree. um, We can look outside the box. I agree. Hey, should we talk about threshold and <laughs> tempo runs? Yeah, I think we've both seen a, seen a few people coming out on Instagram saying, "Oh, I think I finally did like a threshold or a tempo run properly." I.e., I didn't run it too fast. Can, can we talk about this? Because I did text you yesterday with a funny um, quote from someone on Twitter who literally said that, and I did have a giggle. Yeah, and that look—that's that's exactly that was one of the cornerstones of our. Um, training that we both did over the last sort of six months really wasn't it was yeah. to really be mindful of not straying out of the uh, sub threshold zone into the red zone when you're doing that that style of training and you know with the philosophy that if you stay below you'll eventually um, push your end up pushing your threshold up over time um, and also just develop that that really good strength um and again because your heart rate's lower you're you're much more in control of your technique so much less likely to succumb to injury so i was just kind of wondering though whether people were saying that because they were used to being in a group environment where you know they weren't able to um, control their ego and felt like they had to go with the pace of the group even if that was too fast for them so maybe there's a silver lining in all of this for for those people that were kind of getting dragged along by the faster people in the group can now actually just focus on training at a level that's right for them 
Oh, look, and I will back that because I think I, in fact, I know I've fallen into this habit um, myself. And I think it's pretty good if you're doing some some track things, you know, maybe some short sprints or 400s or 800s or what have you. But I definitely found the benefit of doing all that marathon training on my own and you being very strict on the heart rates that I um, couldn't, couldn't go above or had to be within and then not even looking at the pace. Pace was not something that was on my watch. Um, and then having some days where my pace was 440 and then other days my pace was 405 and just getting comfortable with, you know what, every day you're not going to be a superstar. Um, so move, move away from that. And then when you are on your own, um, I certainly don't train as well on my own than when I'm with other people and I'm sure that that's, a lot of other people are in that boat. But the reality of that is probably you're actually not pushing yourself too hard when you're on your own. Um, you're pushing yourself maybe to the limit that you're meant to be in, especially when you're, you're on those sort of tempo um, or threshold days. Yep, definitely. And if you're, yeah, if you ha- if you haven't trained to heart rate before, this is definitely a good time to introduce some sort of heart rate um, mechanism into your training. And you know, my training this week has probably been a pretty good example of that um i threw in a couple of fairly modest sessions i think i sent them to you lisa one of them was like i think it was eight by two minutes and actually no it wasn't eight by two minutes i think it was only maybe maybe seven by two minutes and then um yesterday i did like eight by one minute um and i kind of followed the guidance of staying out of the red zone and because you're sort of messing around with the different distances in the intervals, you're actually training at, at quite different paces without sort of putting yourself under too much stress. So I think in my two minutes, they were kind of like between maybe 4.15 down to 4.03 or something like that. And the one minute is like maybe started at um, a little bit under 4.10, but then some of them ended up down in the low um, 340s. So, you know, you can get a good variation in your training without kind of going into the red zone if you kind of stick to those kind of guidelines. And that holds true if you, once you start doing sort of longer reps as well. So, you know, three-minute, four-minute efforts, five-minute efforts, a 10-minute threshold or a 20-minute threshold, all of those things just, just kind of keep watching your heart rate and then your pace will just kind of adjust accordingly so you can sort of keep it out of the red, mm. keep it below 90%. Like, yeah, there's just at the moment, there's no reason to be above 90% for any, uh, for, for any like sustained period at least. And I can recommend this, you know, trying to train to heart rate during this period, having just done it for the marathon um, and doing all those sessions on your own. It really takes that pressure that you put on yourself um, off. And from a personal perspective, it suddenly made training on my own really enjoyable. Um, I wasn't worried about that, you know, I wasn't hitting certain paces or I wasn't doing reps in particular times. Um, and I actually really enjoyed getting out to the sessions. And I loved being on my own because the session was prescribed just to me, for my heart rate, how I was feeling on that particular day. Um, and, yep. you know, and I know that the only race I got to do in all of that was that 5K. But as I said at the time, that is still one of the proudest races that I've I've done in a very long time based on I didn't expect it the conditions were horrendous and I felt amazing um and you know running 345 I think average and my training had been all sort of 415s to 430s um but just training really smart to heart rate so 
it, that proof for me is just is, is there and the evidence of that that um, you can still perform really well. Uh, indeed, yes. The proof of the pudding is in the eating, as they say, and <laughs> you, you only got to eat the 5K this time around, but hopefully next time you'll get to uh, take on the whole marathon and chomp that down in a, in a very fast rate. <laughs> Uh, yes. So intensity, that's definitely a thing. What have we talked about? Um, resetting hygiene. Oh, to hygiene, back to hygiene. So take, take some, take some tissues with you. You know, I, I just started thinking about this in the last week. It's like, you know, really got to sort of go to the next level, take some tissues with you. If you, if you have to blow your nose, just blow your nose. So you can sort of take it with you back home and throw it in the bin and not leave it around for, um, some other, uh, inadvertent person to, um, to, to uh, come into contact with so yeah just go that little bit of extra level um, to protect others yeah I think also um, in this time we really need to think about sort of health and well-being and those external stresses we talk about this a lot I know that but if ever this is a point in time not to kill yourself in training because We've got such unknowns and we're taking on stresses of other people, whether we like it or not. Yep. You know, I I would be very surprised if everyone doesn't know somebody who hasn't been impacted by this pandemic um, through either a death, an illness or a loss of um, a job and circumstances and someone who's probably quite close to you. And unless you're a sociopath or some sort of psychopath, you take on that stress. Um, I know I've certainly found myself in very weird headspaces over this last week, feeling very helpless um, and having many instances of people, friends and family close to me who have unfortunately lost um, you know, their jobs and they've got families mm. or mortgages or just even the basic necessities for food they suddenly don't know how they're going to um, rectify those situations. And I found myself thinking, I don't know how to fix this. Um, yep. And, and not, you can't. And I can't. That's right. And it's not mm. that it's, you know, it's not my fault and it's not, you know, it's not for us to be individually trying to fix it but collectively. And I just thought I'm not a medical professional. I don't know how to help someone. I wish I could be doing more. I'm stuck in isolation. Mm. I genuinely feel helpless. And I was feeling very stressed. I wrote to you a few times going, I, I don't I don't know what, what to feel, what to do. <laughs> um, yep. And, you know, and you said, look, that's, that's all of us at the moment. Be very kind to yourself because it's just such a, a world of unknown. So, for those who aren't in isolation, who can get out and train, um, please be really cognizant of those external stresses that are either coming your way or are there at the moment because, you know, you don't want to fall ill <laughs> um, yep. just just because of running. Yeah, it's a good, you know, and you, you know that I went down the, the Phil Maffetone rabbit hole um, <laughs> for quite some time, but one of the, the best things that he has is that complete notion of what, what training and life and stress is. So he's got like his eight factors or whatever, but just realizing that everyone right now has that higher level of stress that they're carrying around as you have just described is, you know, that that's really an underscoring reason for backing off the gas um, in your training if you haven't already been convinced for the other reasons. Because, yeah, it's all stress. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't matter whether it's your training, whether it's, you know, you start hitting the booze harder because you're trapped at home, um, you know, you start binging on sugar. Oh, you know, that's might me. might be talking a little bit about 
<laughs> Might be talking a little bit about us here, semi-autobiographical, but all of those things are extra stress um, and just what's happening around us is, is stress. So, you know, definitely a reason to kind of um, keep a lid on um, the training if there wasn't already good enough reasons for doing that. Yeah, exactly. I might link that stuff up actually to the show notes again for this one because I, I think and maybe even go back to that episode that we did on stress um, yeah. because, yeah, all of that stuff is is relevant and timely right now and probably, you know, good for us to go back and remind ourselves and probably good for everyone else to, to keep a bit of an eye on that stuff as well. Yeah, well, and I'm coming out of isolation so I'm certainly not going to leap straight back into hard training so timely reminder for me. Yes, indeed. Well, you actually mentioned something else. This is kind of like not necessarily running related, but I've been struggling a bit with the wanting to support local businesses yeah. and just trying to grapple with the, I suppose, the the risk and the ethics of doing that because by supporting them, you may actually have to go out and about a little bit. And even if you respect the physical distancing guidelines, you know, just by being there, there is a small risk, even if you're doing all of the right things. So, like, that's something that I've been struggling with because I've wanted to kind of support the key businesses that I enjoy um, in the sort of Ballarat Hepburn areas. And look, I have been over the last couple of weeks out and about a little bit to be able to support them. And yeah, but then you start thinking, well, you know, you are actually taking a little bit of a risk in doing that, even if you are following all of the appropriate guidelines around that. And and we're not breaking any rules at this point, but, you know, I, I think there might be another thing that I have to start reframing in my reality is that I may not have a choice about that within the next week or so if more stricter guidelines and lockdown come in. Is that something that you've been sort of thinking about as you emerge from isolation? Oh, look, that has been consuming way too much of my time. Uh, and I did make a comment about that on our socials. Uh, and that's something that w- we are doing in, in trying to support local businesses in, in purchasing items, whether it's online shopping or food or drinks or stockpiling wine, as um, I know you've been doing as well. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, I think it really hits home a lot for me. You know, JT has his own business. It's not at all impacted. It, it's in property, so it's it's quite different. But prior to that, you know, we did uh, have businesses within retail and, and hospitality and yep. know how how hard that is without a pandemic um, mm-hmm. and also know how many staff that we employed who were casual staff who were either you know, uni students or you know people who hadn't followed a corporate path but were still very passionate within those industries that you know don't have the luxury of quite large incomes like um, you know some industries do and basically having all of that stripped away and knowing that again sort of having been in there that the the costs just don't stop just because we're told to lock down I think that's the one of the biggest things that I've been trying to mm. well really struggling with and thinking well how can I help and then feeling guilty that you know my $50 purchase or $100 purchase here and there isn't enough <laughs> So, you know, I, I, I do encourage people to, if they can, shop locally. But one of the things that has been really great here in Byron is a lot of the businesses have offered for delivery, which has been great for us. Mm. We can't go anywhere. Yep. Um, and one of the good things about simply just 
picking up the phone and ringing some of these businesses who, you know, are, are very small, so who are, don't have the infrastructure or the know-how or the financials to start a, an online store or a delivery, just picking up the phone again and saying, hi, can I please order mm. the, the fish and chips? And they get someone to write it over or drive it over. And then that helps their bottom line as well because they're not paying third parties to, um, you know, take yep. to commissions and things off sales. So, it's not a lot. Um, I wish I could do more, but um, it, it's something and it, it's stopping me from getting out and about and maybe that's yeah. the method that you're going to have to, to follow shortly. That's right. And look, I think what you mentioned is a really good idea. So, yeah, finding out who is still trading um, and people that might have their doors shut um, for various reasons, but are, are taking orders online or by phone. So, yeah, my local Italian place in Ballarat, Carbonis, that I love going to—they're still—they're still trading. They're still doing deliveries and pickups. So that's something that I was able to do. And yeah, local fruit and veg shop in in Dalesford—they're now doing. You basically have to order in advance, and then they just sort of like pack the box for you. You don't even come into the store; they just shove the box out the door. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's pretty. And they're doing that because they know that they're a small operation and if one of them gets sick, then they have to shut down. So they're kind of – and they're sort of part of the supply chain for a lot of local restaurants as well. So if they go down, then the knock-on effect is is pretty big. So, mm. yeah, looking looking for ingenious ways to manage. And, look, I, I picked up some uh, sandwiches at a little place in Creswick on the way up to, to Dalesford yesterday and they had ingeniously taped out two-metre square blocks within – their um, servery area yeah. so that everyone knew where they had to stand and I just thought that's really smart like you know just make it really easy um, for people who are kind of stressed um, so you just have to stand in that square like stand in the middle of that square that's where that's your place so go over there while you're doing your bits so those kind of things are actually really good that I saw in the last couple of days. I think the hardest thing for small businesses too having um, still, still being a business owner compared to having the luxury of working for big corporates, which I also have the luxury of. As a small business owner, you don't have hundreds and thousands of employees and a huge balance sheet to sort of write out Mm -hmm. these changes. You are often the business. So suddenly, you know, you're being told that in a few hours' time, these are the new rules and parameters that you're having to work around. Um, And then you've got maybe five staff or, or two staff or what have you, plus your family's livelihood on the line. But who's there to support them um, in their time of stress? Mm. Uh, that, that's really what worries me. So I think also instead of worrying about how many Ks you can or can't do this week, can you just pick up the phone or send a text message to a small business owner and say, are you okay? Um, yeah. Because especially if it's one that you like, if it's a business, if it's a thing that you like going to on a regular basis, and you you know that when we come out of this, that you'd regret it if it was gone. Like you know, now's the time to to spend a bit of your hard earned on trying to help keep these people afloat over the next um, however long it's going to be. Yeah, and look, and even if you can. I don't know if you can get them to help out in other ways. You know, I have a friend who has her own um, law practice. She's just a single, a, a single solicitor. Um, works in country courts that don't have the facilities and the means, or they hadn't stood up the technological aid. Um, so suddenly, she has no work until um, until they've been able to rectify that. Um, so you know, her income is gone. Uh, so it's it, it's just impacted so many people. Um, so if in any which way that you, that you can help, you know, offer to buy them the groceries for the week, um, Jating mm-hmm. and I have made the decision that even though we're in isolation and 
we're unable to get our nanny to come over and we're unable to um, get our massages every week, we've actually decided to continue to pay all those services. Um, we're yep, in a, that's great. We're in a fortunate enough position to be able to afford that and we've both said, look, if at any point in time our financial situation changes, then we can change it, but it hasn't at the moment. Um, mm. and, and these people rely on our services and suddenly their entire industry has gone. Um, yep. So, you know, if you're able to continue with that and, you know, our weekly massage, we love having our weekly massage. Um, so mm-hmm. if we can support that business, even if we're not using the service, I encourage yep. others to do so. Do the same. That's a good point, actually. And, and I've, I've just taken out another um, three-month membership at my small local gym, and like, that's that's fine. I'm not going to be asking for my money back because the business is closed. Like, if if my um, you know if my monthly membership fee for the next three months helps keep him keep that business going, well, then that's money well spent, as far as I'm concerned. So, yeah, even that kind of thing, like you know buy a membership or buy a, um, a gift voucher, um, yeah, stock up on something that you you know you're going to need in a couple of months, like buy it now, um, all of that kind of stuff could help. Yeah, exactly. As you say, it, it, there is a big supply chain um, that goes behind all of that. So, you know, it might be their staff and then or it might be their suppliers and their suppliers have prime producers and it's just this big cycle. So this situation is unprecedented and if we can try and keep the norm as much as possible and help out others... Mm. Um, I really hope that one thing that comes from this whole ordeal is that we come together as a society um, and, and help each other out a lot more because it's something that uh, I certainly see in the, the busyness of the city that um, we mm. <laughs> it was one aspect of society that I was really starting to dislike was that everyone was in it for themselves. Um, yep. Maybe this will bring us back into a bit of an equilibrium that uh, we're a bit kinder to one another. I like the way you're thinking, Lisa. And look, maybe maybe that <laughs> maybe some of that might set the tone for a slightly more philosophical season five of the <laughs> Running Technique Tips podcast, where we kind of look a bit deeper beyond. Well, maybe not too far beyond running, but um, try and find some different different meanings and broader meanings in in our running. So I'm certainly going to try and bring a little bit more reflection on the simple things um, that we see when when we're running, um, experiences that we have that might carry a little bit of meaning beyond just trying to run faster all the time. So like expect a a little bit more, uh, a little bit more philosophy and maybe a little bit more, um, uh, maybe a little bit more artistic expression from Brian over the over the coming season. No, I think that's good. Um, before we wrap up, I just want to touch on one little thing, and I know we don't talk on elites mm-hmm. uh, really much at all, but the postponement of Tokyo Olympics. Mm. Um, and what I want to comment on this is around, you know, there was obviously a lot of criticism of um, the IOC and um, for I think Japan on while the announcement wasn't coming sooner, um, I went down a rabbit hole of the legal side of it (laughs) one of the days this week or last week. And I think as, you know, maybe supporters and athletes of the sport, we forget that this is still a very big business. Um, Yeah. And whilst I 100% agree that the athletes are the the spotlight and the prime reason why these um, events happen, Behind the scene, there is 
so much that goes into it and a lot of it is so litigious these days in the days in the, just the world that we're actually in. Um, and this particular um, thread that I was reading then led to a lot of the um, legal elements behind it and then a lot of the clauses that were actually underpinning the holding of the Olympics and then the decisions around them being postponed or cancelled and then that, that of course, triggers financial um, penalties. And I am by no means an expert in that field, but just my brief looking at it made me sort of go, this is such a hard decision from both parties Um, because I'm sure when they were writing these agreements, they did not anticipate a global pandemic to um, yes to hit. So, um, I you know I really would like the Olympics to still go ahead. Um, I know that it has crushed a lot of people's dreams. I know that there's a lot of financial implications mm. that um, has obviously then hit sponsorships and athletes and so on and so forth. Um, but you know, there's certainly obviously a huge, big logistical and legal. Um, battle and, and nightmare and negotiations that I imagine they're sitting in day in and day out to, um, to try and work throughout the moment. Yeah, I think unwinding that tangled mess would be a significant <laughs> challenge. So I, I agree with you. I think that's the reason why it took a while for it, the cancellation to be announced. Um, so, yeah, I, I must admit I hadn't been given the Olympics too much thought. Yeah, well, <laughs> hasn't, I... Hasn't, yeah. hasn't been forefront of my mind, I must admit. Well, I think for just being in Japan and in Tokyo um, mm. and having seen the signage and everything there, it was a bit more front of mind. Um, but yeah. then I had also been doing some, some listening to some um, podcasts and then uh, there was a comment made around athletes that were training for particular lead-up events um, being these marathons and then them being cancelled, which then took out their livelihood over this next sort of, you know, six months around appearance Mm. fees and potential bonus fees and what that meant, sponsorship contracts, and then I went down this whole other rabbit hole of contractual agreements and, and all the rest of it. Which really says it's a complicated world that we live in these days. <laughs> um, yeah, too complicated. Too complicated. So I think the point that you made before around let's get a little bit more philosophical around, you know, running, what that actually means from just a really pure sense. Mm. Maybe we can all just take a step back from that massive commercialization that is sport that we know today. Yep. I, I think that would be definitely a good thing. Okay. Well, we've been talking for about an hour now and it's been a fairly rambling and (laughs) wide-ranging discussion, Lisa. So perhaps we might wrap it up and we'll be bringing some, yeah, I don't know exactly how this season will unfold, but hopefully we'll be able to record a little bit more frequently, given I'll have a little bit more time each week and you probably will as well since we're going to be locked down. Yes, Um, yes. and I'll be back running, so um, pretty... Pretty excited about that. Not sure it's going to take me, but we'll, we'll see where that leads. I think so. Yeah, maybe maybe that's one of the things we can talk about in the in the next episode. Is yeah, what what does sort of training and training goals look like through this period, um, and how you how could you set yourself some things to work towards if you are that kind of goal oriented person, which I know we all are deep down, even though we're going to pretend that we're not through this period. <laughs> well, you especially, I'll admit that I'm goal oriented. <laughs> You're in denial. I'll, I'll just, 
Yeah, I know. I'm just I'm just pretending at least for now. But um, yeah, I, I think I'd like to set myself some little training goals as well for this this period upcoming. So maybe we'll talk a little bit about that next time um, we get together to record. Maybe we can have some challenges, Brian. Some random challenges, like Brian has to learn to do a cartwheel or something. Affirmation. <laughs> 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 Not sure about that. Yeah, no, I think that would probably be a risk to injury that I, I don't really want to put myself through. So, um, not not afraid of being silly or looking silly, as you know. So, um, <laughs> yeah, happy to go with the random challenge. But um, yeah, I must admit, in the first instance, I was thinking about what little what little training benchmarks um, might you work towards that are not too stressful um, that could, in fact, lay the foundations for some better performances down the track once we emerge from this uh, cocoon of isolation that we're currently in. Mm, Yes, well, I think in the interim, stay safe, stay healthy, stay isolated and stay solo. And stay home. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) On that note, you have been listening to the Running Technique Tips podcast with Brian Martin and Lisa Biffin. Catch you again soon.